Hello and welcome to a Latter-day Family Podcast. I'm Todd Michael. I'm Amber Michael. And you are? I'm just kidding. So one of our listeners told us this week <laughs> that she talks to us along with our podcast. So I was joking that we should pause every few uh, sentences and give her a chance to respond. <laughs> so if we have like 30 second pauses all throughout our episode. You'll know why. I mean, twice as long. <laughs> Super this, long. This episode is an hour and a half. <laughs> Mostly silence. <laughs> uh, I heard that's really good in broadcasting. Oh, I heard that yeah, too. Silence is what you want to go for. <laughs> so last week we talked about fear versus faith. And one thing that I didn't get to mention that I wanted to mention um, at the start of our episode today before we jump into our topic for today is... Of course, there are some good things to fear. Like fear is good because it leads to opportunities for, to grow your faith. But also some things genuinely are, you know, should be feared or should have a healthy respect for it. Like fearing God, mm -hmm. obviously, or having a fear of certain sins mm -hmm. or things that are dangerous to you, like the occult or things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so just wanted to kind of get that out there that yeah. there's also good purposes yeah, fear. sometimes you feel fear because you should be listening to it because you're in a dangerous situation right. or something like that. Right, like a warning. Yes. Yeah, so you shouldn't just always be, be like, oh, I don't know, I feel afraid in this dark alley <laughs> with these people here. I'm going to give myself an opportunity for faith. <laughs> yeah. Come at me, knife-wielding thugs. <laughs> anyway. So today we want to talk about a related subject, and that is the um, common excuse that we hear and sometimes see in ourselves mm -hmm. of that you're almost like your agency is so limited that you just have no choice but to do this one thing. Like uh -huh. you're, you, you presume things that voluntarily forfeit your agency mm -hmm. but you're interpreting it as my agency is limited i have no choice yeah i just can't do this yeah. because i or, have these this this and this going this against all i could do yeah um and how that's incorrect mm -hmm. so to start us off tell me number Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we used to have a, a counselor in our singles ward who would overly use everyone's name. So he'd be like, you know Ember. His favorite is, you tell know me, Ember. You know Todd. Tell me Ember. <laughs> you know Ember. And then he'd say some condescending. <laughs> so that was my reflex as I was about to be condescending. Tell me Ember, though. You know Ember. What is free agency? Well, you and I think it's not real. <laughs> it's fake. You and I and God. Okay. <laughs> free agency is a false idea. There's no such thing as free agency. There is moral agency that is a gift from God. It is not free agency. It is the ability to choose right from wrong, mm -hmm. good from evil. So that's what we're talking about today. Yep. Um. Anyway, okay, so... 
Here's a loose example of, of what we're talking about um, from my life. And then we can kind of delve into some of the nitty gritty. Yeah, sounds great. So I, I've, I've mentioned before how I, for many years, have had um, anxiety or felt like I was anxious. I don't even know how to word it because Adam Everts has gotten into my head. He's like, you don't have anxiety. Yeah. It's not a condition. It's a yeah. feeling. Yeah. That, <laughs> so that makes sense. To, yeah, which is totally accurate. But, but it's I, hard because, yeah, people just do talk about I have anxiety because. Yeah, like it's herpes or something. Yeah, because like, I say that all the time. I too. caught it and now I can't get rid of it no matter what I can do. <laughs> yep. No matter what I do. Feel anxiety. Yeah. yeah. So I used to feel anxiety regularly and I used to allow it to be debilitating. At the time, I interpreted it as. I had anxiety. It was a condition. Other people in my family had, growing up struggled with it and would allow it to pretty much control them. And so it became kind of a normal practice to assume that it should control me. Mm -hmm. Like when we were first married, you'd get anxious about things all the time. Pretty much every day. Yeah. It would all that would change was what I mean, the topic was. Yeah. What was the trigger for my anxiety? Yeah. I'm not saying I was better, but yes. Yeah. I also had felt that, but I remember you getting really like panicky about a lot of things. Yeah. I'd have full on panic attacks. So that went on for many years of my life through my mission, before my mission, after my mission, um, through college. And it really wasn't until, and I've mentioned this before on the podcast, it wasn't until I was kind of at rock bottom where the anxiety was exacerbating my ulcerative colitis um, or the IBS, which was exacerbating the ulcerative colitis. And then that was causing more severe anxiety. And it kind of was creating this infinite feedback loop of not being able to do anything because I was just constantly stressed out and having a panic attack and then mm -hmm. having a flare up. Mm-hmm. And so I decided I wanted to really dig deep and see what of that could I control. And without going into, you know, like a 45 minute explanation of all the things I did, it basically boiled down to biofeedback, which is in layman's terms, recognizing triggers that cause you to feel anxious and disrupting the sequence of reactions that your body has, especially the physiological reactions, mm -hmm. to either redirect the anxious feelings or more commonly to force calming feelings mm -hmm. to, to override those. So like if I feel myself, you know, starting to just first just analyze my triggers, start to feel myself starting to amp up toward a um, anxiety attack, and then I would do, you know, deep breathing or focus some of my energy into like, you know, a physical movement or uh -huh. some, you know, mental exercise, something that would channel the anxiety that I was feeling, mm -hmm. refocus it, and then move past it. Yeah. Um, so that was one. The other was working out regularly because uh -huh. that would get some of that angst out of my system on a more regular basis. Yeah, for sure. The other was... Being closer to the spirit, so being more mindful of my own personal righteousness, mm -hmm. because I noticed that when I was feeling the spirit, I was much less anxious. Mm -hmm. um, and then managing my nutrition to, that would, in effect, help my chronic illness be yes. better, which, again, that was kind of this loop mm -hmm. that had been created. Yeah. I mean, if you feel like you're out of control with your body, then 
that's going to mentally be draining for you as well. Yeah. So one, one little, I'll share a little vignette to give people an idea (laughs) of what my experience was like. We were in Safeway one day. Uh Thankfully this was before we had four kids. I think we might've had one. Maybe. Um, but I needed to urgently use the bathroom, which was often the case. Mm -hmm. And it was, I'll spare everyone the details, but it was a very immediate and undeniable need when it would come on. Mm-hmm. Went to the bathroom, men's restroom, out of order. Oh, I felt so bad for you. All that was available was the women's restroom. Now, these were single stall restrooms, but they're still marked male and female on the door. Mm-hmm. So I bust into the women's restroom, lock the door behind me, do my business. Terrible experience in and of itself. I hear all these knocks on the door while I'm in there. Can't do anything about <laughs> it. Do. I'm still needing to use the facilities. Uh-huh. Horrible experiences. Still, like 15 minutes go by mm-hmm. before I can leave the restroom. I come out. There's not, I kid you not, a line of women down the <laughs> hall and around the corner. Probably like 10 women or more. Oh All of them just pissed at me as they see this guy come out. And I have to do the walk of shame down that oh. narrow Safeway hall to go out to the car and text you and say, I'm in the car, just come uh, out whenever you're done shopping. Yeah. Well, what anyway. are you supposed to do if the men's is actually closed? That's the thing. Well, they still were just ticked. It wasn't like it was out of order with a sign, though. It was like oh. there was some issue, like it was clogged. Mm. And so there was other guys gotcha. that were trying to like, it's not working. Gotcha. And I didn't have time to wait around. Uh-huh. Can we get like, the manager in here with the <laughs> no, blinder? Anyway. It's so bad for you. I was like, I wouldn't give someone attitude. <laughs> I know, but I was in there for a while, yeah. so they were ticked. Yeah. Um, there might have been a couple times where I actually verbally responded to and I was like, so oh, they that's a man in knew there. it was a man in there. <laughs> they were ready to let me have it. All this to say. So that's kind of yeah, the reality of feeling out of control and mm. feeling humiliated and having no dignity. So my motivation was high. Mm-hmm. It took time, it took months, or I would say even, you know, a couple years. To really master the skill of staving off the panic attacks. Mm -hmm. But what I realized in that whole process was it wasn't so much that I couldn't avoid feeling anxious or that I was consumed by anxiety no matter what I would do. It was that I assumed that that was the only thing that I could experience. And I had given up trying to experience anything else. I'd given up being proactive i'd given up having any kind of ownership over my situation Mm -hmm. and i'd settled for being a victim Mm -hmm. and for being reactive yeah and when i switched that over and decided to actually take action and to try things not everything i tried worked at first but i've eventually gotten to the point now where without medication so at the time when like that stuff was happening i was on anxiety medication yeah um that all all that that accomplished was it made my memory terrible and made me act like i was stoned all the time oh that was really rough um animated yes as an energetic person the worst thing you could do is give me mind-numbing drugs (laughs) freaking lorazepam anyway (laughs) this is a really long rant i've now gotten to the point where Without medication and without, um, you know, any other unnatural interventions, just through my own <laughs> Jedi mind control, 
I don't have panic attacks. I mean, I honestly can't remember the last panic attack mm-hmm. I had. I don't avoid really anything out of fear of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have things that are, have always been triggers that I have to be aware of and, and mm-hmm. like anticipate and, and manage, but mm-hmm. nothing is so overwhelming and my reaction to anything isn't so overwhelming that I just quote unquote can't do it. Mm-hmm. And so it's helped me realize through experiencing now through the last several years since I've made this switch, uh, after experiencing all these things that I used to avoid mm-hmm. and doing a lot of things that used to result in a panic attack, even though I would just do them anyway, mm-hmm. but I do them with a panic attack along the way. Yeah. And then now experiencing doing them without the panic attack, mm-hmm. it really has made me come to realize how much control I do have and how a lot of people choose to avoid those things that trigger them or that cause them to feel afraid or stressed thinking that they just can't do it mm-hmm. when it's more like, well, I prefer the negative outcome of doing nothing to the potential negative outcome of doing something. Mm-hmm. And even though there's a potential positive outcome, if I take action, yeah, at least doing nothing, I know what the outcome will be. Yeah, that's And so that's point. more comforting. A crappy outcome that I can predict <laughs> is better than the potential for a good outcome with the possible risk of a bad outcome. Yeah, that's a good point. Anyway, yeah, I could definitely use some of those things still. (laughs) Yeah, we're still working on you, but you know, me, I still feel anxiety plenty often, but yeah, I used to have way more panic attacks for sure. Yeah, but well, and you also have like childhood trauma and other things you're working through. I was just going off of anxiety, I mean, it was just like general anxiety, it wasn't like I had some, so it's going to take different people different amounts of time Mm -hmm. and i've also offered my tips that worked on me to other people and some people was like oh that's really helpful and other people like that doesn't do anything for me yeah so i'm not saying like i'm not gonna go on the road (laughs) tony robbins style Mm -hmm. preaching my anti-anxiety but my help would help some people so it's good for you to talk about it still and it the whole point of that is not so much this is how you overcome anxiety but Mm -hmm. it helped me realize how impermanent some of these things are that we allow to become permanent fixtures in our mind. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I mean, one that for me that I allow to limit me sometimes is just projecting what I think other people are thinking about me or about a situation. I use that a lot of times to stop me from doing things that I want to do. And I've gotten better about it for sure. But that comes from, from being, all my years growing up and sure. as an adult being told like that the things told I was doing were wrong. That are terrible. Yeah. yeah. That we're always constantly verbalized. You're doing this wrong. You're doing this wrong. You're doing this wrong. Yeah. So I tend to think that about all the time. <laughs> like, right. You assume that about that's every the situation. perspective of most. Yeah. Yeah. Even with the thing we talked about last week with when we went to church and the baby was making a ton of sound. Yeah. And then I was like, well, everybody's going to be upset with me for not, because they right. couldn't listen to the talk or right. this or that. But I don't know that. No. So maybe some people it bugged them. But some people we know it didn't bug them. Because a lady came up and said she liked hearing that the baby. so delighted to finally like, hear oh. a baby in church again. Yeah. <laughs> Wish I'd known that. But anyway, know. so now I do. But but you can't control what every single person thinks. So why project the most negative mm-hmm. 
thing onto <laughs> everybody. So I think a cool thought experiment for people to try with this, because this is one of the things that I did for a while. I did it for a couple months is every time you go to like, you feel yourself avoiding something, mm -hmm. just question and make note of why you're avoiding it. Mm -hmm. And you don't even have to change your behavior. You can still wimp out all you want, uh -huh. but just acknowledge, like make a conscious note. Mm -hmm. Why am I avoiding this? And nine times out of 10, you're going to realize it has nothing to do with a concrete reason. Mm -hmm. It's just, well, I think blah, 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 or I'm afraid blah, 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 yeah. or I assume blah, blah, blah. You, it is your mind can limit you so much if you're not careful. Yeah. And then conversely, like once I started realizing how much that was limiting me. Pipe <laughs> down, chorus boy. <laughs> Biggest smile. <laughs> he loved that. Quit it. We're trying to do a podcast here. Get a hold of yourself. <laughs> um, when I flipped that and realized I can do anything I want to do. Like mm -hmm. in any situation, if I think of something that... I wish I could do, or I think would be a great thing to do. Like, man, it'd be uh -huh. really boss to do this thing. Yeah. I can just do it. I can yeah. just try it. And most of the time it doesn't come across as bluffing. Yeah. Like people assume that, Oh, but if I do it, everyone's going to know that. Well, no, the only difference between if you're feeling confident in doing it and not feeling confident in doing it mm -hmm. is inside your mind. Yeah. Like all those doubting thoughts are trapped in your mind. No one else has to hear them. Mm -hmm. And if you don't give them a voice, nobody knows the difference. Mm -hmm. So the idea of fake it till you make it or, you know, bluff for a while until it's more integrated is so helpful. It's such a practical piece of advice because the action then builds your own confidence like mm. you start to become the mm -hmm. person who's comfortable doing those things because you've you've done it enough you've mm -hmm. gotten more opportunities to do it again and again and again and again mm -hmm. and then it isn't a big deal and you're that voice doubting voice in your head starts to die down mm -hmm. um i've definitely <laughs> tried to put that to the test more recently like yeah before i would always think I don't want to do that. If like people would ask me to do something or there's like a church activity or there was whatever, what have you, yeah. I'd always automatically think, I don't want to do that. And then I started default. To yeah, it. yeah. Default. I don't want to go to that. Yeah. And then, um, it's only within the last few years that I started trying to think about why I didn't want to go. Yeah. And a lot of times it was just anxiety yeah. or feeling anxiety. And then, but sometimes it was just, that doesn't interest me, but it was nice right. to be able to actually think about it a little bit and think, I don't want to go because it's not interesting to me and it has no value for me Right. versus I'm just automatically don't want to go because I'm going to feel anxious in that situation. Yeah. So. And to be able to recognize when you're bluffing that yeah. it's the former when it's really yeah, the latter. Yeah, exactly. Or, you have to be real with yourself yeah, it's really latter. This is the point where you can believe and not just trick yourself and yeah, talk yourself like out the, of it. I didn't want to go to that dumb party I anyway. I really like it. <laughs> I know. Yeah, because that happens. That used to happen all the time where we'd be like, well, we really don't want to go to that. Yeah. But it was just going to make us anxious. And yeah. you know what? Most of the time when I go to the ones I think I'm going to feel anxious at, I feel anxious at them yeah, still. But you still can but go. But I still can go and Usually the outcome is good because yeah. I feel better about myself that I pushed through it and got, and then every time it gets easier. Yeah. 
So. All right. Here's another mind blowing <laughs> truth bomb for people. You hear your own little voice in your head that might be doubting or causing you to fear or telling you all the things that, you know, Oh, well, what if this happens? What if that happens? Or you're not good enough. You're not smart. Mm-hmm. Whatever those little doubting things. Mm-hmm. But what you don't hear is that same voice in so many other people's heads. So you're assuming that they don't have that voice and you're only seeing their <laughs> actions and interpreting their actions as well. Wow, they're so confident. Yeah. They can talk to anybody. They can do this. They can do that. When in reality, most people still have that little voice Yeah. that you just don't get to hear it. And the difference between people who appear to be confident and people who don't appear to be confident is simply the action. Yeah. So it's not even a matter of getting like going back to what you were yeah. just saying. It's not even a matter of getting rid of that feeling uh-huh. or even those thoughts as it is just pushing through them and still taking the dang action. Mm-hmm. Still going to the event, still talking to the person, mm-hmm. still asking for what you want and asserting yourself. Yeah. And you're going to get times where it doesn't feel natural and that's okay. You just still keep doing it. It's not like, well, I tried it three times and it didn't start to feel natural, so I'm not going to do it anymore. I feel like I've heard you give me that pep talk like a million times <laughs> <laughs> because yep. I'm always like, we'll be talking to somebody in the hallway at church or something and I'll, we'll leave and I'll be like, oh, I felt so uncomfortable. I was so awkward talking to them. I hope they didn't think I was so awkward. And you'd be like, you looked perfectly comfortable. I, know. I don't know that you're feeling awkward. Even after all this time yeah. being together, I don't always know when you're <laughs> feeling awkward because it doesn't come out in anything you do or say. Yes. It's just a good example of <laughs> not feeling hearing awkward what other right now. Say. I <laughs> I'm not going to say. <laughs> I <plead> the fifth. <laughs> Would I be doing a podcast if I wasn't married to you? <laughs> no. I'm surprised you still are even being married. Um, okay. So from going back to moral agency, right? Cause we're kind of talking about like anxiety specifically, yeah. but going back to moral agency, there are just, there are a lot of things that people do to psych themselves out and to limit their own agency. Can Satan actually take away your agency? Of course not. No. Right. Like, no. He can tempt you to do things that limit your agency, such as, you know, put sub- addictive substances into your body or, um, you know, defile your body or your mind in certain ways that limit your agency. But ultimately, he cannot take your agency from you. Your moral, Our moral agency was given to all of us, and it was given before we were even in physical bodies. Mm-hmm. So it's important to remember that because, sure, some people have, you know, mental limitations or different reasons why they can't always exercise their moral agency mm-hmm. in life mm-hmm. to the full extent because mm-hmm. they can't fully understand, you know, the decisions that are making or things like that. However, it goes even further or even farther back than that because in the war in heaven, we cho- use our agency to choose to follow God, to yeah. choose his plan. So it was a gift before we came here and it's a gift to all of us while we're here. It can't be taken away. Mm -hmm. Satan cannot take it from you. No other person can take it from you. It can be limited in certain ways at certain times by your circumstances, but never fully taken from you. You can always choose how to act, how to react and how to think. Mm -hmm. And there are so many people who are, uh, are just forfeiting that ability and just being either completely reactive, Mm -hmm. being completely inactive Uh so they're just like not doing anything because 
or you know taking the point of least resistance yeah we see that a lot yes too much yes (laughs) like i don't want to try that it might be hard just okay so did you come here to grow i know did you come here to progress (laughs) this feels like another rant from last week i know it does um It's hard to not just want to take over sometimes if people's lives. Yeah, or just not like we're doing great. Grab like, them and shake them. Say, just do something. Yes. You have all these choices. You could do something. Even if you do it and fail. Mm-hmm. Great. You're a step closer. I know. Um, and then, like, obviously, Satan can um, obscure this truth because mm-hmm. he's very good at taking mostly something that's mostly true and just tweaking it a little. Mm -hmm. And so he can make people think, well, as long as, you know, taking action is a good thing, then taking any action is better than no action. And I'm just going to keep, you know, doing whatever my gut tells me or doing whatever I feel like. Mm -hmm. And then they're, you know, doing a bunch of stupid things or taking actions that are self-deprecating and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So obviously I'm not just saying, Everyone needs to go and just do every situation, do something, anything. But I am saying like in most cases, there's an obvious best option Mm -hmm. that is productive, that supports your eternal progression, Mm -hmm. that benefits yourself and the people around you. In many instances, that is also difficult or, or you have to be humble to do it or you Mm -hmm. have to, it's a challenge. And so people are avoiding it because of that unwanted negative feeling or perceived mm-hmm. negative feeling. I mean, if you're living close to the spirit and doing the things that invite the spirit into your life, then you're going to know what those yeah. things are. Right. It's going to be really apparent to you, even if it's stuff that is hard for you or seems like <laughs> wouldn't be comfortable for you. Right. And and if it's outside of your comfort zone, that just means your comfort zone needs to stretch a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not there yet. I do tons of things at my current job that would have been way outside my comfort zone five years ago. Oh yeah. And that's only possible because I spent that five years stretching the comfort zone every day. You know, mm-hmm. every time I had an opportunity to try something new, there you go. Mm-hmm. Try it. Do it. Yeah. The last thing that I wanted to mention on the subject, and then I don't know, we can end unless you have anything else you wanted to say. <laughs> especially since this little guy is probably only going to start making more and more noise um, is I don't mean to diminish, you know, things that people legitimately struggle with because I know that there is, you know, legitimately there's depression and there's people who have severe feelings of anxiety or, you know, there obviously are things that are going to make people feel um, overwhelmed at times and defeated and feel like they don't want to take action. But I don't believe that the solution in those settings is to just give up or to pretend that because you have that one trial, that becomes your identity. Mm -hmm. That's who you are Mm -hmm. because that's Satan's plan. His plan is to take whatever your sin or weakness is and say, this is you. This is your identity. Mm -hmm. You struggle with this thing. You now are this thing. Mm -hmm. You failed in this way. You are a failure. Mm -hmm. You have been unrighteous in these ways. You're just always going to be unrighteous in these ways. And God's whole 
plan is based around progression, which means that we can improve steadily and regularly and genuinely. And through the atoning power of Jesus Christ, we can become better people, more capable people, more like God than we were the day before. And Satan does this with countless things. And I don't even need to spell it out, but there are plenty that we can see today where this one sin becomes someone's entire identity and they wear it proudly and wave it around on their flags and in their <laughs> shirts and say, this is me, this is who I am. And that's a great example of how if you allow him to make your weakness, or your temptation, your sins, your identity, then repentance feels like an attack on you and who uh, you are. Of course, yes. You don't even want to acknowledge that it's a sin anymore. Because how could I? How could that be a sin? That's who I am. That's a great point. It's my identity. Of course, you're not going to repent for who you are. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like that sounds so ungodlike no. and unchristlike. No. But if we can keep that distinction and say, well, you know, this is something I struggle with, or this is something I'm tempted by, but I am a child of God. Mm -hmm. I am created in His image. I am capable of becoming like Him. And when you have to do those scary things, when you have to do those things that aren't as comfortable and use your moral agency in ways that don't come as naturally, mm -hmm. you see it as progressing toward something, a better version of yourself, mm -hmm. an end goal, not just thinking, this is who I am, it's fixed. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things I love about the gospel so much is that the amount of stretching and growing that it helps you to have. Yes. Um, I would totally be one of those people that made excuses all the time if I wasn't a member of the church. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Because it's constantly they're asking you to, you know, do callings. Every calling I've ever had, I felt like I couldn't do. Right. But I still did it. And then Heavenly Father helps yeah. you to do it. And then that stretches you just a little bit more. And then just really every aspect of Every kid you have. The, <laughs> the church and the gospel is yeah. encourages you yeah, to have children. Yeah. That stretches you. Yeah. To take care of people around you and serve them. That stretches you. Yeah. And just to grow your testimony and yeah, knowledge of the Grow your testimony and study knowledge that it, they want you to get. They're never asking you just sit there right. and do nothing. They're always asking you to do a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And then the more that you do, the more that you grow and the more that you have that light in your life and it right. just makes it easier actually <laughs> you get more it you does. have more trials and your stuff capacity like that increases and times, then it becomes easier exactly it's amazing the harder it gets then it also gets easier <laughs> right so it seems like the harder things you do uh -huh. the more you grow and then the less challenging they exactly and just, do you remember a few, it was probably a few years ago when they asked you to imagine like where your life would be without the Book of Mormon. I think it was the yes. prophet that asked that. Yeah. And um, that made me think a lot about where would I be without the Book of Mormon? Where would I be without the gospel of Jesus Christ? Huh. And I would be probably where some other people I know are. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they have it, but they're not accessing it as much. Right. Um. I would be not taking very many risks, I don't think. Yeah. I would be not who I am today. So it's had a huge impact in my life. So I definitely agree and have a huge testimony of growth that you can have through the gospel.
I'm quite certain I would have been a drug dealer if it weren't for <laughs> you the gospel. You always talk about that. It makes so much sense, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> drug dealer and probably a baby daddy not raising any of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you totally would be that. <laughs> I would just be a person that stayed in her house all the time alone, probably. Yeah. Or possibly a servant to some of my other family members. Tons of books. Ooh, Indentured. Sounds nice. <laughs> Possibly one of my Ill illegitimate children Possibly. and their family. <laughs> I think I like it better this way. I do too. <laughs> so the takeaways from this episode that I would like for our listeners to remember. One, think about, even if it's just over the next week, preferably over a longer period of time. But every time you avoid doing something, stop and take note of what it is that's causing you to avoid doing it. And more often than not, I guarantee you're going to realize it's a made up. No, you're mm -hmm. assuming that you can't do something yeah. when you've never even entertained the possibility of there being a way that you could do it or of it just being a yes. Yeah. It's like we say with our kids, like if you can say yes about something, Yes. Then do then it. Just like, say yes. They're always asking us to do millions of things for them. If we can say do it, then right. say yes. Don't let your knee jerk just to be to shut stuff down because mm -hmm. that feels more comfy and safe. Mm -hmm. And then number two, think about some of the things that you have been avoiding or that you've just accepted are not possible or, or that you can't accomplish and revisit them and think maybe jot down some ideas of how even if you're like well i would never be able to do this but theoretically i could jot down some ways that you could make them work that you could make them happen because again and i don't mean to you know act like we're so high mighty about this we're probably light years behind plenty of people oh, yeah. but from where we were to where we are now making those switches in our minds has helped us accomplish so many more things just accepting that you know what if i can think of it i can do it mm -hmm. so i'm just gonna do it yeah and if it's uncomfortable so what i'm still gonna do it if it's awkward so mm -hmm. what i'm still gonna do it if oh, it's yeah. scary so what i'm still gonna do it and you basically just end up accomplishing a bunch of really cool stuff yeah even and if you just take on like one or two things at a time extra things moving a little bit at a time it's going to help you improve little by little by little yeah because frankly our listeners are some of the greatest people on the planet yeah with the greatest potential of anybody <laughs> on the planet so if you guys just stretch yourselves a little bit more you can be that much greater you already were wise enough to tune in <laughs> to latter-day family podcast a latter-day family out there you guys are great <laughs> all right thanks for listening uh mm -hmm. if you have not already and you do appreciate the show please do give us a positive review or rating or whatever they call those things um please don't let the sound of our son sorry. <laughs> give you a negative review <laughs> like we liked it until that episode where he was crying in the background yeah he's over it <laughs> if you want to find us on twitter we are at Latter-day Doofus and at Latter-day Snark. If you want to find us on Facebook, it's our names. Yep. 
it's been fun. Some of the people we uh, have known through the podcast have found us there. Mm-hmm. Some Twitter people have found us there. It's fun to connect. It is fun. If you look weird or we don't know your real name because you have some funky Anon account <laughs> on Twitter and we don't know who you are, we will not accept your friend request. <laughs> we post pictures of our children on there. Um, as always, continue being great people. And we'll talk to you on the next episode. Bye, everybody. Bye.